Looking for new threads? Well, we've got you covered at the Music Is Live podcast official merch store over at tpublic.com. Whether it's t-shirts, baseball tees, hoodies, coffee mugs, travel mugs, phone cases, or onesies for your infant rockers and metalheads, you can find everything you're looking for over at the Music Is Live podcast merch store at tpublic. Go to my link tree at l-i-n-k-a-t-r dot e-e forward slash Music Is Live podcast and get your merch today. Buy my stuff and thanks for your support. TerraNut is proud to offer you a natural nut bar chock full of healthy fats, minerals, and protein that meet your demands. Go to their website, www.terranut.com. You can order from them directly, and they will ship it to you. Use my coupon code, LUMAVS, and you will get a 25% discount on your first order. TerraNut Superfood Snacks, www.terranut.com. Don't forget to use coupon code, LUMAVS, at checkout. Fuel your life. You're listening to the Music Is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mabs, on the Rat Sound Review Network. Death awaits you all with nasty, big, pointy teeth. Bring out your dead! What's going on, everybody? It's the Music Is Live podcast with your host, Lou Mavs, available exclusively on the Ratsaw Review Network. You can also find me on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a bunch of other places. I can't remember everything. But anyways, moving right along, I'm proud to say that I got my roundtable, the Barnyard's back. We got Mr. Bob Mango and Mr. Matt Michelow in the house. What's going on, guys? Eating some hot wings. Yes, Matt is eating some hot wings with, um, was double uh, no. Dave's ultimate insanity sauce. Dave's ultimate insanity sauce gourmet. Yes, gourmet. Yes. Well, high end here, class. Yeah. (laughs) Before we started the podcast, we were actually talking about hot sauces. Maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll do like a hot ones episode one night where like we'll try, you know, ten different wings and ten different hot sauces and just. Record our reactions just because it's funny. I like that idea. I think it would be a good idea. I think I we think- do it online. We do it on a night. We get our hot sauces. We have our beers ready. We go. Yes. And, and this is my roundtable group. So if I'm ever on the podcast with more, uh, with more than one person, these are my go-to gentlemen that uh, I'm going to do this with. So uh, welcome back to the show, guys. Glad to have you. It's good to be back. Yep. So... Uh, we were brought back together again tonight because Bob had a great idea. Not really a continuation of our previous discussion, but sort of a, a variation of it, I guess you could say. Um, us being metal fans, we were talking about what our top 10 favorite metal albums are. So we're dedicating this entire episode to our top 10 favorite metal albums going into depth about why we like them, why we think it's the, why, why they are our top 10. And for each of us, we'll be discussing our opinions on it. So this should be a fun one. Hopefully something that, you know, everyone out there enjoys listening to. Hopefully you'll learn something new or check out some of these bands. And, you know, just about keeping good music alive in a time of panic, chaos, and what have you. You know, I think there's always room for good, good stuff out there. 
So, incidentally, from my experience, heavy metal doesn't have arguments over race, which is pretty cool. Never. And if anyone's going to be a schmuck about it, usually they're kicked out before they start any trouble. <laughs> whether it's in the pit or whether it's an album they release. So. They also accepted one of the first uh, homosexuals, too. That would be Rob Hoffer to Judas Priest. Yeah. So. For the record, I did not know he was gay. And? Looking back, I realized. <laughs> and I, well, and I don't care, because Priest is one of my favorite bands. I have a surprise member of my top ten is Metal's probably first transgender. This should be interesting. Yes. Cool. All right, so... Um, again, my being grateful to you guys for joining me, uh, I'm going to let Bob discuss his first pick from his top 10. Oh, so I'm starting us off. All right. So I just want to say there were so many albums I had listed. I actually had to have a tie for my top 10. There's so many bands I wanted to give recognition to for their albums mm -hmm. that I, I just couldn't. So again, I, I guess the point I just made, we're going to go with that was one of the bands. Um, Life of Agony, The River Runs Red. Ah, with the transgender vocalist Mina Caputo, formerly Keith Caputo. You know, I don't think I really know them. You know what, uh, go and download or go and listen to River Runs Red. It is start to finish a fucking amazing metal album. I agree. Matt, knowing you're a typo negative fan, these guys, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. The, these bands, Typo Negative and Life of Agony, both came up together. In fact, Sal, who's the former drummer of Typo Negative, became the drummer for Life of Agony. That's cool. I mean, I'd seen him a couple, I was kind of an all right fan. I heard a couple songs. I saw him a couple years ago. They played over at Mulcahy's and with Vision of Disorder. And they were unbelievable. So I've kind of stayed a following since then. That album is absolutely fucking amazing. Unbelievable. I agree. Um, I, I just, they're just pure straight through, and it never hit. I don't know if it ever sold that well. It never made an impression on me to recently through all my years of metal, but that album blew me away. I'm going to throw in my other album, and Lou, I'm going to give you, all the, you a lot of credit for this one, and I guess Paul, who's not with us now. Um, Fear Factory, Demanufacture. Good choice. Um, my good favorite album. album, anything all time. I absolutely fucking love that album. It blows me away. The way they put the industrial metal into that whole, like, the whole, I loved it. Sorry, and, the, and the amazing thing is 25 years after it was released, <laughs> I think it still holds up as good now as it did then. You know what? I saw that too. I saw a lot. I saw that recently. It had 25 years or and a lot of fans were making mention of that, that today, even that album is still their best. Mm -hmm. um, remember when we interviewed Dope? <laughs> yep. Uh, now we Did you even bother interviewing Dope at the Fear Factory show? We were about to, and then we watched that, like, actually playing, and Fear Factory came on, and, like, literally, they finally, like, gave way for us to interview them because they were talking to other people. So Fear Factory came on, like, now we gotta go Fear Factory. We just left them there. <laughs> Great story. You know, I would just, I would just say those two, band, those two albums together, start to finish, two of my <laughs> favorite albums. 
You know, the funny thing is, though, I'm still friends with Eric Cole from Concrete, who got you that, that interview <laughs> in the first place. So, Eric, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Uh, we never interviewed Dope. We were never going to interview Dope. We never played Dope on our station. They opened up with Shock, that show. I would have uh, actually liked some Dope songs. So, I mean, yeah, I guess most of that one's good. Debonair and Everything Sucks are the only two songs in them I could really listen to. They were better than Static X that night. Yeah, they definitely were better than Static X that night. All due respect to Wayne Static, rest in peace, anything is better than Static X. But I got to give him credit. He goes into the studio butt-ass naked to get inspiration. It freaks everybody out, even in his own band. (laughs) You're talking about Wayne Static? Yeah. Watch it on, you can find it on YouTube. Oh, dear Lord. His music process. (laughs) <laughs> learning new things as I get older okay alright Bob thanks for that Matt you're up the way I made this list I didn't really put it in order so much I did just the 10 albums that came to my mind some of them have to do with being influential in society mixture with uh, myself so this one part of me wants to put at number one but I not really because technically, if I was to pick my own top 10, it would just be Tool and Pantera all over the place. So, without further ado, we're going to start off with Pantera. Far Beyond Driven. Now, this album is because of Lou. I would not have listened to Pantera had it not been for him. When I was first getting into metal, he let me have every Pantera album. The first one I popped in was Far Beyond Driven. I didn't know what the hell Phil was saying at the time. I just thought that drums and the guitar were just amazing so I was just like I don't care what he's saying <laughs> and eventually I learned to know what he says <laughs> so and scream them back at him every time he performs those songs plus Far Beyond Driven is the one I think it's the only album to go number one on the billboard for heavy metal um technically in 11 years before that uh Quiet Riot's Metal Health was Quiet considered is not Really, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I agree with you, but at the time, 1983, 1984, that was considered the first ever number one heavy metal album because it actually did reach the top of the charts. But in terms of ex- you know extreme metal, yeah, that was Pantera's Far Beyond Driven was probably the only album to ever do that. <laughs> All right, I think you're up. Uh... All right. I mean, uh, Phantom Lord. Oh, please. <laughs> You're not going to get much of an argument from Pantera out of me. They Nor just, me. They just but, um, my top 10 list, but they were probably number 11 or 12. So this, uh, this album um, was the first ever album I listened to from this band uh, from Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, came out about eight years ago um, on Metal Blade Records. Um, I, the first time I ever heard of this band, I was driving home on the Grand Central and the guy next to me was blasting this album. And I'm like, hey, what are you listening to? And he said, Whitechapel. So I'd forgotten about the name and then, two, and then around 2014, I heard their album, um, I think it was... Uh, Mark of the Blade, I think it was. It was. It was. I think. I think that was the name of the album. But I went back and listened to their older stuff, and their self-titled album, Whitechapel, is it, 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 to me 
is probably one of the best metal albums that I ever heard. So uh, what it did for me was it, 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 uh, it had elements of hardcore, it had elements of death metal, had elements of melodic metal, and it completely kicked my ass. Um, so Whitechapel's 2012 self-titled album, I would have to say is my top 10, uh, number 10 favorite metal album of all time. And Bob, I'm happy to say that I got to see them with you at the Mayhem Fest in 2015 on the second stage. Mayhem Fest, what show was that? That was Slayer and King Diamond on the main stage at Jones Beach. Now, Whitechapel was the only band I wanted to see on the second stage that day, and I didn't think they disappointed at all. No, they were good. And, you know, I mean, stuff they put out afterwards is good, but to me, this album mm -hmm. stands above all of them. So. All right. I'm not as familiar with them, so... Well, I mean, it, it, I, they're called deathcore, but to me, it's like, you know, they're not just chugga chugga rips and breakdowns, you know? It's like there's mm -hmm. actual musicianship there and good songwriting. So, um, so yep, that's my number 10. <laughs> All right, Bob, you're next. Oh, my number nine. Well, I'm going to call on the uh, fire in the background here to bring up Rammstein, Rise Arise. Great album. That's my favorite from them. I mean, they're just, how do you not have a top 10 list for Rammstein? And you, you take their best album, another one I can listen to, Start to Finish, and they hit everything. And one of my favorite songs by them is On a Dish. That's a beautiful song. Rammstein is pretty awesome. I mean, of course, Meintal. Meintal taught me German. I learned German because of Meintal. <laughs> I mean, that's how amazing of a song that was. And when you see him perform it live, that's what made me turn on that more. He's sitting there blowing fire under a cauldron, and this guy's popping out of a cauldron. I seriously thought Jones Beach was going to burn in flames that night. Uh, <laughs> I wish I was at that. So do we, but we know whose fault that is. They uh -huh. you know very well whose fault that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might be dead from Corona for all I know. <laughs> On that note, I'll be right back. Oh, we need you. Yeah, you're next. You know what? You're going to have to take over for him. You're going to have to jump ahead of him. We're going to have to get let him. All go. right, fine. So, uh, we can talk about more about Rammstein. No, but that, that is, it's funny because Liebes for Allah is also like my other favorite Rammstein album, but Reiser Reiser has so many awesome songs on it. I like that. My favorite song from them, I, I always forget the name of it. You know the song. It's one with like a bunch of werewolves in the video or something, like vampires or some crap, and they're all running around the woods. Oh, it's not pussy? <laughs> no, that's not it. Good. I got a caca. You got a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they could not get away with that nowadays, which is... Um, I don't know. To, to me, Rammstein always knew how to, like, burst the right bubbles. They were good at that. And the They upset everybody. <laughs> it's awesome. It's great. And they're German. And it's true. If you go to Germany, everyone listens to Rammstein. I heard it up and down the streets when I was walking around Munich. More than the Scorpions? Yes. More than David Hasselhoff. Nobody beats the Hoff. Yes. Rammstein beats the Hoff. Hands no. down. 
Jim oh, the Hoff, that's right. Single-handedly took down the Berlin Wall with his music. <laughs> and his Did he get pelted with a tomato in the face at the Berlin Wall? <laughs> and his piano scarf that lights up. <laughs> oh, God. All right, Matt, you're next. All right. Mine is going to be most probably generic pop selling metal album ever. Can you guess? Blackout Metallica. Got it. Get out! <laughs> More than Master of Puppets? Here's the reason why I put the Blackout. Go ahead, go ahead. It's a pop. Not because it's the best album to me. It's the best album for my own life experience. And uh, the first band I ever listened to was Rage Against the Machine. That was uh, metal. So for me, I grew up on hip-hop. So the next thing I ask is about, like, I hear this band Metallica, which I only heard because of Beavis and Butthead. I didn't even know what the hell they really sounded like. Yeah. My friend handed me the Black Album, and that's what got me more into metal, though. So that's why it's on my list. It's not because of... Uh, being necessarily the best album over Master of Puppets. And if I had to pick my favorite album, it would actually be um, Injustice for All Over Puppets. But that one has more of an impact on my life, so that's why I picked it. I'm mostly going with what impacted my own life rather than what's necessarily the best, in my opinion. I completely respect that. You know what I mean? Like, we all have our reasons for picking our top 10, you know? Whether they were impactful in our life or whether they were impactful on society or whether they were, you know, just something we heard for the first time. We're like, holy shit, that's amazing. So that was Pantera for me. You destroyed me when you gave me Pantera. It's like over at that point, everything went heavier and heavier. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and then you heard Slipknot and it was all done after that. <laughs> I can't believe that album's 21 years old now, officially. I just started listening to uh, Stone Sour. Well, it's like two months. I never really listened to them before. They're good. They're good, but I, I the thing that drove me nuts, apparently, like, you know, Chad Kruger of Nickelback said that Stone Sour was Nickelback light. I'm like, what? That's the dumbest comparison I've ever heard. Stone Sour sounds nothing like Nickelback. I mean, I've always thought Corey Taylor was so much a better lyricist. Oh, he is. He's, uh, it, it's immensely better than anything Nickelback ever did. I, I, like, I got what he came from from saying that is, yeah, he takes Slipknot it's a lighter ver. It's a very light version. It's not even like hard rock Stone Sour. I can't even compare both bands. It's different. Yeah, they're completely different. But you know, so if you're expecting Slipknot, you're not going to get that. So I can see if he was expecting something close to Slipknot, he's not going to see that. It's kind of like I guess when uh, Audio Slave came out, everyone was expecting it to be like Rage Against the Machine, and it was, it was or even like Soundgarden, and it sounded nothing like either. I, I was, like Audio Slave. It was a mesh of both. It was a perfect mesh of both. They were great band audio. It was a good combo. I agree. I saw them a couple times, bought all their albums. They were great. Yeah. Profit to raise, not so much. <laughs> no. You know, I was going to see them and they canceled. They were playing on my birthday like a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I refused to see them after I saw footage of them. I'm like, oh, God, no. Oh, okay. There's only one Zach. Yeah, I mean, all due respect to Chuck D and um, Be Real, but. Yeah, you know, they're, they're great for their music. I mean, but not for Rage. Cypress Hill was awesome. <laughs> Public Enemy, I I didn't really delve devil deep into it so much as Cypress Hill, but yeah, they're good too. It's just Zach is Rage. Mm-hmm. And to think, you know, Rage actually started as an offshoot of Zach's hardcore band, Inside Out. <laughs> it, it, the, technically, Rage Against the Machine was supposed to be Inside Out's second album. 
and it was supposed to be called Rage Against the Machine. Instead, he broke up the band and linked up with Tom Morello, Brad Wilk, and Timmy C. And that's what we got. And even though I'm not big on the politics of that album, I... Wait a minute. Oh, for, I just realized I'm not muted. Okay, good. Even though I'm not big on the politics of Rage, I love their first album. And, um, you know, good stuff. But anyway, all right, my next choice. So this is a band that actually our dear college friend, Jason Crawford, actually turned me out to this band about six years ago. A Rebel Medium. Wow, how did you? <laughs> you know that's the intro oh, that I use is the Rebel Medium song that I wrote. <laughs> you can't like your own album. That's not right. Well, I don't have to pay anyone for the rights to use it. That is true. So anyway, so this is a band that he turned me on to one day, this particular album. Uh, the name of the band is called After the Burial. Uh, Wolves Within is the name of the album. Um, I heard this album. It's only nine songs. <clears throat> Excuse me. It blew me away when I first heard it. Um, just how syncopated the rhythm section is with it, how the two guitar players, I think they're using upwards up to nine string guitars on it. And it's just, it's brutal. And I don't know, when I first heard it, I thought, see, because I try to stay on top of new, newer metal bands that are out there just because it's like, I like to see the genre grow. I like to see, you know, newer bands coming out, doing something different than what was done before, you know, just keeping it fresh. And for me, After the Burial is one of those bands and Wolves Within is the album for me. Plus it's also a special album because it's the last album with founding member Justin Lowe, who, um, excuse me, unfortunately passed away uh, two years after it was recorded. Um, poor guy had like, a, he, he was bipolar, um, went off the rails one day and disappeared. They found his body off a cliff. So it was really sad what happened to him. And this was his swan song. And you hear this album, you're thinking, my God, what could this guy, what he could have accomplished? You know? So for me, it's Wolves Within by After the Burial. So it's got nine strings, right? Their guitars. Mm hmm. Does it sound like complete fart sounds at that point? It's like, no, it actually sounds really out. good. I promise it sounds really good. <laughs> I mean, you, I, 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 I which are you guys Meshuggah fans? Yes, some. Okay, some so they too, use nine strings. But I liked them back when they had seven strings. I haven't really uh, followed up with them since then. Uh, yeah, that is true. Once they went eight strings, it's like, my God, how low can they go? But, you know, I think after the burial, does a good job with it. So, <laughs> All right, Bob, you're next. What are we up to, number eight? Yes. So number eight on my list, I got Corn. Corn's first album. Great album. Titled. I mean, another one that impacted my life. It was a time when I was starting to get real heavy music. And that album, another one, start to finish, absolutely amazing. And I don't love any of their other albums like I love that one. But that album, start to finish, unbelievable. Every song's great on it. Life is Peachy is actually my favorite Corn album, but I do think their first album 
like in terms of what they what they accomplished with it, mm -hmm. you can't top it. You can't match it. No, I mean, think of it. Blind is just a great intro song. Start that slope, jumps up, and then bam, right there. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, and Divine, I loved. I love Divine's my favorite Corn song. That breakdown in that uh, song is amazing. Technically, Corn would have been the first uh, metal band I ever heard because I used to have a app, a Wars app, back in the AOL days that actually started off with Blind. When it would come on. <laughs> Stuff. Yeah, so I, know, I think they've impacted metal and made it more mainstream too. Corn. I'm glad I got to see the original lineup together when uh, they played Ozfest 2003. Hands I, down, an amazing live band. I, I feel like the new drummer does better. Oh, I agree. I'm a huge fan of Ray Luzier's uh, drumming, and I first heard of him when he was David Lee Roth's drummer. And he was great with Dave, too. There's nothing the guy can't do. Yeah. Just, oh, did I say his name was Ray Luzier? No, it's Ray Luzier. That's his name. Oh, uh, that's why we got you here to pronounce his name, because I sure the hell can't. Uh, Don't forget, they were also on South Park. <laughs> that's true. That was the original lineup, though, that was on South Park. Exactly. It was the first season. Mm -hmm. It was back even before who I really knew who they were. <laughs> I should say right there, they made mainstream cartoon TV on Comedy Central. Hey, they want TRL. <laughs> oh my God, they were on TRL. <laughs> but I, can for, I can forgive them for giving us Limp Bizkit, though. <clears throat> Limp Bizkit had one good song or two. I like Wes's guitar playing. Yes. Yeah. I like Fred Dose's rap skills. <laughs> <laughs> Lack thereof. I mean, I didn't know a nookie. Come on. All right, Matt, you're next. So, Matt has uh, Limp Biscuit. Uh, which album do you have by them? <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, I didn't put in an order this list. That's fine. Far Beyond Driven would have been my top three, to be honest. Um, this one probably my number one in many ways. I know Bob probably got this on his list too somewhere. Probably. I know what he's gonna say. I have a feeling too. Well, since you guessed the other one, why not, Bob? Probably, yeah. right. Is it a self-entitled album? No. That's not. Oh. <laughs> but I do have a self-entitled album. You know what? I'll skip this one and go to this one since I don't have all of it anyway. I also have Colin on there, the first album. Oh, you do? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Again. Mind you, we grew up at the time when it was new and fresh. Yeah. Before everybody started trying uh, to be corn. I mean, corn changed music in many ways. They still go on today, so I give them even credit for longevity on top of that. Jonathan yeah. Davis sounds better now than he did back in the day. Mm -hmm. They actually headlined the Mayhem Fest the year before we went, Bob. Did they? Yeah, and then that concert was completely sold out. It was them. With Avenged Sevenfold and um, Asking Alexandria and a bunch of other bands. So, do you know who I start open up for uh, Coin? Chevelle. No, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> You're kidding. What tour Yo, was this? Beach. It was Corn, Snoop Dogg, and someone else. Ice Cube. 311. 
No, no, it wasn't 311. It was like Incubus, maybe, or someone like, or like Deftones, or something you would know, else. You would know if it's Incubus. As much as I'm not really a super fan of Incubus, when they play live, they're amazing. Oh, I've seen them a couple times live. That's why I'm like, not sure if it was that show I saw them at or another one. But, yeah, Korn's album just. It's simple in a way that you can follow very easily if you're like just getting into metal. It's also heavy enough that's got a nice groove to it, too. So, being that I came from a hip hop ish background, it kind of just flows perfectly for me. And it changed music in many ways. Some will argue it changed music for the worse, but I don't I really, disagree with that statement. I don't really dislike new metal. Like, I think it's cool. It's, I still listen to some new metal stuff today. It's, there were a lot of good bands that came out from that genre. The Corn, the Deftones. Um, a... I liked Incubus when uh, they first came out. I, I would say I was a fan of theirs up until their album. I think it came out in 2007, the one with uh, Anomaly. And uh, what, was, what was the other song? Megalomaniac. No, I wasn't a fan of that album. It was the one I, after. I like that song, Megalomaniac. But I don't think this was good, but... Maybe. Let's see if I can pull what that song up is. But uh, no, that first Korn album is amazing. And I, I think that, you know, I you have like to give them their proper respect, especially for longevity. I, I do like the first Korn album probably more than all the albums, though, just from sound-wise, too. It's just, it's my cup of tea. Life is Peachy is actually, surprisingly, I didn't really get into Life is Peachy as much. I, I actually skipped over to the next one, but now i kind of worn off that one. Mm. Oh, so th that album from Incubus, uh, Bob, was uh, Light Grenades. The song is Dig. That's probably my favorite Incubus song. Oh, okay. All right, so my, my uh, number eight choice is a, a band from Sweden that I really got into back in 2001. Um, had the chance to see them at Ozfest 2005, but I was late. And this is my favorite album from them because for many reasons, um, the songwriting and the production. I thought that this, uh, I thought that Devin Townsend of Strapping Young Lad did a great job with uh, producing this album. He also produced my favorite Guar album, Beyond Hell. But the album that uh, he produced by this band from Sweden was uh, Natural Born Chaos by Soilwork. Like if you're into melodic death metal, with great guitars, great screaming vocals, and even with a keyboard player to make it sound, to me, the keyboard player actually adds a dimension to their music. But uh, yeah, Soil Works, Natural Born Chaos, that came out in 2002. Uh, I would have to say that's my number eight. Okay, I'm going with, we, we talked about this album and I'm sure Matt has it on his list, and I kind of insinuated that this was the album that he meant. I got Rage Against Machines, Rage Against the Machine. Great album. I mean, again, you're talking another band that completely blew away the metal scene. Rage just was unbelievable. And I still love their music to this day. Another band that's like lasted all these years, and I do love all their albums, unlike some of the other bands I've heard. This one was just amazing. Not and a bad song on it. No. He brought in 
Who else? He brought in. Um, oh, you know what? Funny. I, I keep thinking that, that like all these bands mixed into that album. But he had uh, t- he had uh, Maynard on that album, right? Yeah, on Know Your Enemy, which yeah, is my favorite song on the album. Yep, that's a great uh, song. But I don't know how you have a top ten again without Ray Jansen Machine's first album. Matt, I know you're a fan. Well, yeah, that's on my list too. It's Miles just get it out the way now. Ray Jansen Machine's on there. <laughs> All right. Like I said, I I didn't put it in order. Yeah, it's. If it wasn't for Raising the Machine, I wouldn't be here right now with you guys. So that's the reality of it. It broke in two worlds the rap in the middle world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach can actually rap really well. Like on a rapping level only, he can rap. And he doesn't get the recognition he deserves when it comes to rap, at least in that time frame. Well, I think the biggest problem that a lot of kids that are into rap today, they probably <laughs> ask, well, can he freestyle? Well, forget rap today. Nobody can freestyle anyway today. Now it's just like, yeah, got Bima. I got pills. Yeah, got. Yeah, it's the cattle mumble girls. shit. It's just like they stutter over and over. It's not rap anymore. Everyone's just stuttering and has like a speech impediment. And they don't even have to rhyme. They can say shit that means nothing. They just repeat it twice every so often. And make a bird sound once in a while. And, and rhyme every other sentence with the word from the sentence before it. So, now, you're right. I mean, Zach was a very prolific poet, and I thought the way that he, you know, dropped his lyrics, I don't know. To what? me, everyone else that came after him was a follower. Going to do it as well as he did. And again, I say that objectively as a person that's not a fan of their politics, but their music was amazing. When it comes to them in a political sense. I don't really like Tom Morello's politics, especially now, because I think it's not Rage Against the Machine. I think it's more like Rage 4 5 Machine, or Rage 4 the Machine. It's it's sad, because Tom Morello is such a follower. He doesn't speak. Zach went on his own path. He does, that's why they didn't get along in the end. He's a radical in a way. Similar and, to uh, John and um, Serge from System. Yeah, similar to that, but... Uh, most people don't really get it that Zach is actually slightly lean, leans towards libertarian, which is kind of crazy, I guess. But he's more like a radical libertarian, so to speak. It's hard to explain. Like, I, I looked it up one day because I was really trying to figure out the politics. Whereas Tom Wells is like pure socialist. Mm. Well, at well, least we have that album. I just want to say one thing. Go ahead. Band has ever been able to come close to replicate what they did? What you mean, Limp Bizkit didn't do it? Nope. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I wouldn't even like. I, I wouldn't even associate Limp Bizkit with them. Corn, yes. Limp Bizkit was not trying to be like Rage. No one's been like Rage. No, I think but- it's hilarious though that Tim Comerford actually apologized for saying, yeah, I'm sorry we influenced Limp Bizkit. He actually said that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I guess we'll forgive you. I'm going to give you one song. Only one song has ever come close to Rage. And it was pre-Rage. Epic. By Faith No More. Yes. Only song that's ever come close. That's that's fine. I, I actually am. I love Faith No More, so I love that album. 
Um, I'm a bigger fan of Angel Dust, though, than I am of the real thing, so... Oh, uh, you want some Angel Dust? No, thank you. <laughs> no, but, uh, Bob, if you like Epic, though, you should check out the song Midlife Crisis. That's a great one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my next choice, another Swedish band, my favorite album from them, um, In Flames, The Jester Race. Um, I know I discovered In Flames when I first heard Colony in 99, uh, that summer, Nuclear Blast sent me a package with uh, that and another record. I forgot what it was. And Colony really stuck out. I was like, my God, I think I found my new favorite band. But then, you know, like everything else, I'm like, well, let me see what they released before this. And I just thought Just a Race was like their, uh, their master of puppets. So, you know, and oddly enough, they've they opened up for Metallica around 2003 in Europe. So, you know, I have to thank In Flames for giving Metallica a reason to take metal bands out on tour with them because they were probably the first one in a long time for that to happen. So, but yeah, definitely check out Jester Race. That's another group I never really took the time to listen to. I always see you with the In Flames t-shirts, though. Yeah, I don't have that one anymore. I wore it out. (laughs) So, you know, you can just carbon copy Matt for me. Because didn't when we went to see uh, get these albums signed by Stained, didn't you wear that flame shirt then? And they said something to you about it? No, I was wearing my Shadows Fall t-shirt. Oh, okay. And Shadows Fall and Stained actually played shows together in Massachusetts in the uh, mid to late 90s. And funny you mentioned that, yeah, Mike Mashock saw my Shadows Fall shirt and said, hey, Shadows Fall, I know those guys are our friends. And I'm like, yeah, but I couldn't think of two bands that sound more opposite than Stain and Shadows Fall. I think so many uh, friends with people and sound totally different. Like uh, this is true. Like Corn is very. They're friends with a band called Trivion or something like that. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Trivion. Yeah, I've listened to like one or two songs of theirs, but they're like really good friends. Monkey and uh, Head. They're really good friends with them and stuff. Like Head's even given them a guitar. Mm. Uh, yeah at, at the time when i was younger i was like you know oh a, me- a real metal band would never befriend a new metal band now i'm just like my god i was stupid back then to think yes that. yes you were <laughs> yeah i used to sit there and look at you when you would talk about all the different things like that with music i'm like you know music is music it doesn't really matter if it's like new metal Hair metal. Okay, maybe hair metal. Forget that Spanish. <laughs> yeah, you, you can find some really good guitar players in hair metal, though. That you have to admit. Really? Oh, yeah. Singers. But no, I, I, singers. you know what? I, I, I say that that was me being very immature. And now yeah. I can look back on it and say, you know what? I was stupid for thinking, back, thinking it that way back then. I was a kid. And I, I've grown from that. Uh, I guess it just came because I grew up from hip hop, so it's just like I was already outcast in that regard. Like, why well, you wear baggy clothes, but you listen to metal music? Guilt closer. No. I, <laughs> I, like, admit, yeah, okay. I admit I was a snob. <laughs> I was a music snob. I'm ashamed of that, and uh, I'm not like that anymore. Now, to me, it's like good music is good music. I've learned to listen to so much more music now. It's like forget it. I'm all over the place now. Yeah, I even found myself listening to more like electronic stuff now. Cause there's some good stuff that's out there. I listen to like. Oh, Matt, I think I you're frozen. Oh, there it. you go. Dang. That. You're frozen. What were you saying? What do you listen to? 
I've listened to I listened to Electronica all the way from uh, Montauk back to Queens. The mm. whole vibe we did. <laughs> so, yeah, I listen to everything. All right, Bob, you're next. Oh, what's next? Uh, it's probably on my list too. Actually, <laughs> I'm gonna guarantee it's not on your list, Matt. It's okay. Tom Jones. <laughs> if it's anyone's list, it's gonna be Lou's list. All right, let's see. This was another metal band that. This is one that I don't think of as like that borderline cheesy metal, but not really, because they were just good, solid music. Hey, and, it's probably not on my list the way it sounds already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were more popular in the 80s. Right? Yeah, let's say. Um, but for just another again, for what we owe metal to them, I think is a big high level, but Iron Maiden, 666. Number of the freaking beast. It probably is on Lou's list. It is not. Actually, <laughs> I have a confession. I don't have one Iron Maiden album on my list. I do not have Number of the Beast on your list. <laughs> I don't. And that's not even my favorite Maiden album. Oh, okay. Well, I love that album. I mean, it's got all the classics. It's. Well, remember when Jose acted like he was calling from the. No. <laughs> It, it wasn't, wasn't made, and it was Guar. Oh, it was Guar. It was odorous from Guar. Wait, so you actually did talk to the to uh, Dickus then? Then I yeah. did talk. To, yeah, Bob, I think Bobby. No, Bob was not in the room with me. It was uh, our friend Jamie was in the room with me with because uh, I think you had class that time, Bob. I thought I was there for Dickerson. You probably oh. were. Oh no, yeah, Jamie was in another room. I thought you were. No, I th you yeah, might have been. You, you have the tape, so you would know. <laughs> you know, what? no, I, I ended up interviewing Odorous, but that was at four o'clock. So he called late. But. Oh, no, Odorous was a different time. No, you never interviewed Odorous. I did. Jose. No, what's his name did? Uh, Fred. I was yeah, two years after I interviewed Odorous. All right, well, the time we're referring to is when Jose pretended to be Odorous. You were really upset that it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. You lost it. I was dying on the moon. <laughs> crying at you. Yeah, I was hurt. <laughs> I, think, I think I know what we need our next uh, the next show to be. We need to get Jose on here. We can just talk about the whole time. Yeah, he's like real. <laughs> well, you're, you're you're using his kayfabe name though. Huh? It's uh, Eric. Eric Adams. Eric Adams from Beyond Bushido, also on the Rat Style Review Network. Also he actually had me on his show last week, so I could um, critique the Ja Rule Papa Christos Greek commercial. Oh, I gotta see that commercial. It's on my Facebook it. page. It's pretty funny. I saw a thumbnail for it. <laughs> I didn't actually watch it. On Hearing Ja Rule try to freaking pronounce Greek food, hey, it's hilarious. Ja Rule, ja Rule is rich right now. He's laughed all the way to the bank. He got out of the RAF game and he basically got to stock, selling stocks. Not only that, I mean, that Firefest thing that he was trying to promote. I don't know. I don't you know, know. It's not fraud, it's false advertising. What an idiot. <laughs> uh, but I'm sorry, Bob. Continue your uh, uh, critique on um, uh, Number of the Beast from Maiden. Well, to me, that was just an album that always, when I got into metal, that was one of my older, more traditional metal albums. If you mm -hmm. um, it is my gateway Maiden album. It was my first. Yeah, it was my gateway. It actually wasn't even, oh, yeah, no. Halloween, that name was on that album, wasn't it? Mm hmm. Last song on the album, yeah. I actually, that's one. That's my favorite Maiden song. That's actually my, my favorite, favorite Maiden yeah. song. 
<laughs> I don't really like much Maiden in the sense that I didn't really listen to much, but I like that song. Machine Head did a great cover of it. Yes, they did. I like that too. Did they? Yeah. They you did. can find it on YouTube. I gotta find that. That that sounds like one I would have had already. Damn it. I've heard another band do one. Oh Cradle of Filth covered it too. Cradle of Filth. That's uh, a- <laughs> Yeah, even I have to admit the Machine Head version was better. Yeah. I like the Cradle of Filth one. I like Cradle, don't get me you wrong, can, but you, you can't compare it to you hear both. Then you gotta come back with your decision. Mm-hmm. All right, I, I will hear the machine head one. Okay. <laughs> I've heard negative creep, and that was all right. So, and that's in a bottle. I mean, I'm pretty sure Bob has this on his list. Um, I'll give Bob a hint so you can try to guess because it's kind of interesting watching him guess here. I would put probably every al- album on the damn list that they've made, but I'm only picking one. Uh, let's see. Out of the rest of my albums, you may have one more. I, there are five left, Matt. Well, actually, six six more. You may only have one of mine. I don't think you'll have any of my other five. All right. Well, we want if, to see you accused to see this band. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then which one did we go see? I forget which variation did we go see in Syracuse. Was it with uh, Adam Jones or was it with uh, Billy Howard? No, it was with Adam Jones. Okay, then yes. But, but um, I'm going to go with two animal. My favorite yeah. Tool album. I, 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 I like all Tool albums, but that that was the one that got me into them. So. Three. That, that was my third. That was the third one I had on my list, my number three. That would be in my top three. Yeah. Beyond Driven, and Tool on my, in my top three, if I had to pick. But I didn't put it in the water. I just read it as I wrote it. It's like every song you can play is a fucking masterpiece almost. Yeah. I played 46 for two for Sam. She absolutely loves that song. She's like, wow, that's a really good song. Every time I play it. I played Tool for my wife, Barrett, and even she's like impressed with how they just build up. Like their their use of dynamics is amazing. I love their change-ups. I love odd time signatures. I can't Mm -hmm. do a standard 4-4. I get bored. I like all the changes and just trying to do different things with rhythm. So I, I went from somebody that had no rhythm ability to playing all sorts of crazy rhythms. And that's why I stayed. I never got the lead. That's your job, boy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, my next album, actually, Bob, you mentioned it already. Demanufactured by Fear Factory. Really? I can't believe yeah. that's so high. That album was a fucking game changer for me. I got and go back and still is to that. this day. And when I say 25 years later, it still holds up as good as it did then. I mean it. So, In the first song, uh, what's the uh, manufacture? Yes, the manufacture is amazing. Self-biased resistor. But Zero Signal was the song that made me a Fear Factory fan. I would say the first, the manufacture, self-biased resistor, replica. Piss Christ, that's a great one. Piss Christ, Piss Christ. Oh, I love that. Song. I mean, every song on that album is. I should have had that in my top ten, but I didn't even think of it because I haven't listened to them in so long. But now I know I'm going to be listening to it tonight. It's like, what happened to them? What happened to them? That's why I didn't move it farther down my list. I mean, you know, they were touring for a while without Dino. You know, Christian, who was their bassist, became their guitarist, and they got Byron Stroud. You know, Dino, I think, was ruining it because they immediately got better the minute they dropped. Yeah, that night, that 
2004 album Archetype was amazing, but then the one they released after that wasn't so good. I like that other one. Uh, one 78. Transgression. Transgression. I wasn't big on that one. I liked it. I liked it. I uh, thought Mechanized was a better album. It was, but those two I liked, and then they brought Dino back after that. They brought Dino back, they got rid of Christian and Raymond, but then on drums, they ended up getting the drummer, I think he's the best metal drummer alive, uh, Gene Hoagland. He's not Dave Lombardo. Can't compare. I can't compare. I mean, Dave Lombardo's amazing because, I mean, every band that came after, every drummer in thrash metal that came after him stole his drum style. Oh, uh, yeah, he kind of created his own style. Yeah, so I would say, I would say that Dave Lombardo is the most innovative. But in terms of drummers that are out there right now, I mean, Gene Hoagland is the only guy I know who plays double bass with weights on his leg. <laughs> and he's got, from a drummer perspective, he's just, his timing is impeccable. And the stuff that he did with Testament, you know, mm-hmm. they should have uh, kept him. If, they, if he's even still in the band, I don't even know. I didn't even know Testament came out with a new album this year until my friend Alan told me. <laughs> so I got to check that. I got to check that in the new Lamb of God album out. I mean, and originally, I want to say, when I suggested doing this list, that's why I was curious to see how many of these albums the three of us crossed, you know, put on there. Well, we have a triple cross yet. Huh? We have a triple cross yet. Well, I, know I, I just said Fear Factory D Manufacturer. Is that on your list, Matt? Not on my list. So it's not triple. Okay. No, probably no triples, but that's okay. You know, uh, I don't know. My number one should be on everyone's, but that's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my number one should be on, like, when you talk about metal, my number one is, like, my idea of, like, the god of metal album. What are they like? <laughs> All right. Well, Matt, you're next. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Bob, you're next. Yeah, because I said Fear Factory. So go ahead. So uh, what number are we up to? So what did I say before that? Oh, so number five, I guarantee no one has on their list. And it's what, I got to say, this album came out when I was a kid. I was a kid and I loved this album. And you know, Weird Al Yankovic? Huh? Weird Al Yankovic. No, well, I honestly probably had it. My friend used to make me mixtapes. So my best friend when we were growing up used to make me mixtapes. And I swear to God, it would go from Weird Al to Nirvana to this band, and at least two or three songs of this band, which I love. I just you know, ejaculated. Nope. Yeah, I saw that. Your, your, <laughs> your, your juice cup. It was probably the most successful metal band ever. The most successful what band? Metal band ever, commercially. What do you think? Metallica. Metallica. <laughs> oh, close. It was it Metallica? If, there was, if you don't think it was Metallica, who would you think it is? Most successfully commercial metal band. Biggest, most popular, huge. When I was a kid and growing up a little as I got a little older. Guns N' Roses. Yes. Appetite for Destruction. The second greatest debut album ever. Welcome to the Jungle. Mr. Brownstone. Paradise City. I, I, I'm just. I, I can just keep listing every song. That album was amazing. Not a bad song on it. That album. 
commercially was one of the probably biggest albums all time. Well, it's funny because people say that Nirvana killed hair metal. I would say Guns N' Roses was probably the beginning of the death of hair metal because yep. they were not a hair metal band. Yep. They, I, I think they had more in common with the Sex Pistols than they did Warrant. <laughs> I think Metallica owes what they do to I think they took what Guns N' Roses did, Metallica, and ran with it farther. And they couldn't be able to mainstream. And if it wasn't for Axl Rose, that band would have been probably one of the biggest bands ever. Guns N' Roses. Well, can't deny Slash's influence over guitar players. Nope. All right, good choice. Good choice. <laughs> All right, Matt, you're next. Matt, you're muted. You're muted, Matt. <laughs> Well, calling you. This one I don't really know why I put number in there, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Slipknot. This is gonna be a shocker. Um, I like when they first came out. It was just fun. Now I didn't like some of the jackasses that went around wearing masks and just like hurting people in the mosh pit. They just thought it was like cool or something. But musically, it was like it was cool. It was like I remember being in my basement with you guys. We didn't have a PA, so we just like sung through a guitar amplifier, and I would basically have to stay in the in the bathroom and scream because I have feedback everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, good good album, a lot of fun. I mean, Corey, I mean, Corey doesn't um, he did a good rap and spit it out too, but just he doesn't really rap that much. But when he does, he can actually flow. So. Mm -hmm. I was actually just listening to that album yesterday and uh, you know you can't deny its its influence you can't deny its originality and you know again another album that still holds up you know what I, I can't I could never stand the masks the whole mask thing it pissed me off because that album, when I heard it, before I knew about the mess, was so hard, so heavy, so fast. I loved it. And that probably would have made, that was very close to my list, to make it on my list too. But Probably the imagery that they portray definitely enhanced the music, especially in a live setting. I didn't like them. I saw them live once. I didn't like them. They got better now. I agree with you. Back in the day when I saw them live, they weren't good. They're actually better now. Like, when I saw them way back, you know, Tattoo the Earth days and stuff, it's like, they, were, they were like always never in sync, I felt like. Just the performance is so mediocre in the sense of the album, the energy they have. They're able to, to control a crowd, but it's just... Uh, yeah, I saw them you, twice. I saw them open up for, for Machine Head and Cold Chamber at Roseland back in 99. That was right after OzFest. And I thought they were good. I thought that their control of the crowd was amazing. But they were better in 2004. Yeah, they Corey's gotten better over time. And you can control a crowd really good now. I think as musicians, they've learned to play in sync. I mean, it's nine members. It's kind of hard to do everything in sync when you got that many members, too, in a way. That is a true And statement. when they're doing, like, somersaults off of uh, beer cans and kegs and stuff. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's mine. I don't think anyone's got to have that on the list, but... No, so, but it was made mine. <laughs> so my next album is by everyone's favorite Brooklyn Bastards, Typo Negative. And 
this wasn't the, the album that I first heard from them, but it's the one that I always go back to. And it, it, it meant something to me because, you know, growing up, I was a fan of Carnivore and I loved what type of negative did. And to me, this album's the perfect combination of what Carnivore was and what type of negative would become. And that would be their debut album, Slow, Deep and Hard. And you hear want, that, I, you hear I that album. I don't know about you doing anything slow, deep and hard, bro. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is where if I have a soundboard, I press the, ah. <laughs> I know it's going to get in trouble for that, but I'm sorry. It's a great album. And uh, it's, it's my go-to. That's, it is a great album, though. They're a great band. Again, they were never someone I really got that into, but they were still. I, I actually really enjoyed listening to them. They were very melodic, very dark, very dreary. Mm -hmm. They're a fun band. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm really glad that members of Typo actually uh, um, are still playing together in uh, Silvertide, so I'm, I'm happy about that. I'm lucky. I'm sorry, Silver Tomb, too. Silver Tomb. I'm just glad I got to see him play once. So, and I got to oh. see him on Halloween. Oh, perfect. <laughs> uh, all right, Bob, you next. I'm up. All right. Give us something up. good, Bob. Number four again. I'm gonna guarantee. Matt doesn't have it on his list. Lou may have it. Black Sabbath, Paranoid. Actually. Not on my list. It's on mine. <laughs> it's on my list. Get out! like. <laughs> How do you not have Ozzy on the list? Because I'm you don't have it on the list. Because though. because my favorite album of all time is Ozzy Osbourne's Diary of a Madman. So again, what I tried to do with this list was keep it separate from my top ten favorite albums of all time. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this specifically as a genre. I think of all the band, all the all the different types of bands that I could say, no, that album meant something to me, that album meant something to me. <laughs> the Black Sabbath is my favorite band of all time. Um, my favorite album from them is volume four. So that's in my top ten list of all time. But Paranoid is a fucking great album, so of course. I, mean, I, I it's not my favorite metal album. It's a phenomenal album, but I felt what they did for the genre in general. I had to include them on this list. I had to include their best album. I mean, well, to me, War Pigs is the best Black Sabbath song ever written. So yeah, I can't argue that. I love War Pigs. Even Hand of Doom as a sick song. Mm -hmm. And who covered that? Was that a... Slayer. Slayer did it, right? Yeah, Slayer did an amazing cover of that song. But everyone covers that album. War Pigs. All right. No, it's a covered Iron Man, though, surprisingly. Buster Rhymes did no, did he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Christ. <laughs> and actually, uh, were, there were two Sabbath tribute albums that came out, one in 94, one in 2000. 94, the band Therapy recorded it with Ozzy on vocals. Mm -hmm. 2000, uh, Buster recorded, uh, he sampled it, and that track was on the, on the 2000 album. Hard not to say to Ozzy. I feel like it's on it and Buster Rhymes never touched it. <laughs> I do like Wuha Got You All in Check, but this is a metal uh, list. <laughs> so it's funny, whatever album I'm going to say, Matt's going to say next. So. <laughs> yeah, you already know I'll say Paranoid, but you already mentioned it. 
if he, all I'll say is without Black Sabbath, you wouldn't have any of this music. So that's why it has to be on this list. Mm-hmm. That to me is the number one album on my list. Not because it's necessarily my favorite to listen to, it's because they, it's it, everything exists because of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree with that statement. Absolutely. If you think about every band, every metal band that we've ever listened to was influenced by Sabbath in one way or another, and none of them have denied it. In fact, Rob Zombie himself said it, Sabbath has written every great riff ever. They, they figured out the fifth chord. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, think about it at the time, the controversy behind their debut album, their, their title track. It had the devil's uh, the devil's tritone. That was the first song at the time to ever use it, and people were like, oh, "They're satanic." It's like, okay, Mozart wrote songs like that. Relax, take it easy. <laughs> All right. So my next album is our favorite Cowboys from Hell ta- from uh, from Texas, Pantera. Uh, we got a Pantera in there, but it's not the one that you mentioned. I know. I decided to go with the one that had more of an impact, I felt. For me, this album has some of the greatest guitar playing Dimebag Darrell has ever written or performed. I, I will agree with you. You will? Yeah. Vulgar? <laughs> yeah. No, it's not vulgar. Cowboys from Hell. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. I mean the album. Oh, the- Great Southern Trend Kill. I was going to say, yeah, okay. I get that. I, I mean, that the moment I heard the song Floods, I was, it, it, as a guitar player, it probably influenced me at the time more than anything else than I ever that I ever heard. Just to hear Dimebag do something so melodic, so, it was beautiful. That's the best way I could explain his playing on it. It was beautiful. And of course, the opening title track, <laughs> War Nerve, Wonder. Drag the Waters, Suicide Note Part 2. I mean, come on. You got the best of the best of Pantera on that. Well, War Nerve used to be my uh, anthem in college because I can't freaking say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think I tried playing that and I kept hitting the mute button every second. I was like, no, this ain't going to work. <laughs> you have to, to pre edit that and then put it in. He did. Lou did it. And I still turned it off because it couldn't work. <laughs> no, no, you got it. You just like dying in panic the whole time. Like, oh my God. like I thought you were going to have a heart attack. <laughs> oh, yeah, you dared me to do it. <laughs> All right, Bob, you're next. We're next. Well, unfortunately, my number jump the top three. I think we should get a special announcement. Oh, we got a top three? Shit, I think I rolled 11. <laughs> my number three is already mentioned by Matt. Tool Anima. That's... Come on, Luke. Do you got it on the list? It's not on my list. Tool is not on my list. But Anima is my favorite Tool album. It's my favorite Tool album. It's like when they tell you when you're on an island and there's only like three albums you can bring, D-Manufacture, Anima, are two of them. <laughs> the third is Pink Floyd, The Wall, but that's a different story. Um, yeah, far Beyond Driven. Anima. I'm probably Jimmy Hendrix experience. Just because I like that one song. I need to hear all of them to watch that. I mean, take a song like uh, what was the song 
that they ended up making live, and they made it even better live on that. There's a lot of songs they've done. The DVD album they put out. What, Third oh, Eye? Third Eye. No, not Third Eye, though that was better live, too. The other one. Push It? Push It. Oh, my God, Push It? I mean, that song's amazing on the album. And then you hear that live, and what they did on that was unbelievable. To this day, Tool is the only band that ever covered a Led Zeppelin song where I oh, prefer cool. to listen to their version over the Led Zeppelin version. <laughs> uh, Tool's live. It's like truly an experience every time you see them live. I agree. Like... I definitely agree with that. So they're the only other band so far that we have mentioned. So my top two, we have it. Mr. Matt, Matt, you're number three. I think Bob has this on his list too. Um, since we were talking about Black Sabbath and the devil thing, why don't we go with the band that made people all think of hell back in the 80s? And I'm going with Slay as Rain and Blood. Oh, I thought you were talking about New Edition. Well, that, that makes me think of hell right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are basically trash metal. They, they made their own damn genre. I don't I don't like how people say Metallica did that. No, I, I, it's slow. So, I know it's awesome to see live. I actually didn't like Slayer much in college. It's something that's grown over time. <laughs> and it keeps growing over time. It's very interesting to see the bands that I liked in college and how some have fallen off and then other ones have picked, just grown over time. Slayer is definitely one that just keeps getting better as I age. Age is like fine wine. So that would be Rain and Blood? Yep. Alright, very cool. Funny enough, my my, my best friend a couple of years ago, um, six, seven years ago, got, got me free tickets to go see um, the Big Four at Yankee Stadium. Mm -hmm. And he had never seen that. He was not a, he's a rock guy. He doesn't really listen to metal. He had never, never gone to a show even close to Slayer. For him to walk out of Slayer and go, Bob, I don't really like them, but they're one of the best live shows I've ever seen. The stage presence is unbelievable. Yeah, my wife said the same thing. Wait, Evan saw Slayer. Ozfest two thousand four. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. It was. It was. Uh. So I took her to go see Jason Mraz at uh, the Beacon Theater, and she said, "Now I'll go see a concert you want to go see." I said, "Ozfest <laughs> is coming to Jones Beach." And she said, okay, I'll go with you. So that night we saw Sabbath with Ozzy, Judas Priest, Slayer, uh, Black Label Society, Super Joint Ritual, Demu Borger on the main stage. On the second stage were Slipknot, Hatebreed, Lamb of God with the Wall of Death, Lacuna Coil, Every Time I Die, Unearth, and a shit ton of other bands. And one of the greatest concerts I've ever seen. And the band that she ended up loving the most out of all of them was, was Priest, Slayer, mm -hmm. and Sabbath. She, well, not that she's a Slayer fan, but even she thought they were, they, they were, she said, my God, I didn't realize how great musicians they are. I'm like, oh, we don't listen to them for the music. We listen to them because they just want to kill. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Even my ex, 
Once you saw Slayer live and destroyed my birthday by coming out to see Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> she was actually impressed with Slayer. They are a great live group. She's just like, I don't really like the music, but I just love the energy. <laughs> I'm like, I wish I could have threw you off the legend into a pit. <laughs> All right, so uh, my number three is a uh, band from Germany. It's not Amstein. Uh, see, I got 11, so we're going 11 because I, I, I'm special. That's fine. So <laughs> this was this, mine too, Matt. <laughs> so this was a band that I heard about when I was in Greece in the summer of 2000, but I knew of them beforehand, but none of their material was available in the States. Goat fucker? You mean goat whore? No. <laughs> Azad? Who? Azad. What's Azad? Azad's a, a German rapper. No. Very good one. No. So uh, this was actually an album that got me interested in Lord of the Rings as well. And it was something that somebody played for me. You know, they, they had it on their, uh, they had the CD of it and they let, they let me borrow it when I was there. And I said, you need to give me a copy of this album. And, and you know, it, it falls under the genre of, of, you know, power metal, but the album itself, it's like it, it, gives you images of Lord of the Rings and it's, it's freaking amazing. Um, the name of the, um, the name of the album is uh, Nightfall in middle of uh, Nightfall in middle earth by blind guardian. Um, it's actually based on the prequel to the Lord of the Rings, the Silmarillion, which is great because that's a book that I've been trying to read for the last 30 years. I can't get through the fifth page. It's not badly written. It's not that it's badly written. It's like, okay. It's like, if you read the Bible, you know, and you, I would say, it would say like, you know, in the beginning, God created the earth and then Adam and Eve were born, but not until after uh, Moses freed, you know, the Jewish people from the Egyptians. And then Abraham tried to kill his son. And it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I can't make sense of all this. It's like, that's how Silmarillion is written. It's so choppy. It's like, you have to give all your attention to reading it. And I just don't have that kind of attention span. So I'll just stick with Nightfall in Middle Earth. So basically what you're saying is you read a little bit of it and then you start seeing like uh, Anna's little um, farm, um, old McDonald had a farm and you see a little sheep and then you're just like, I got to go take care of business. I think you completely just killed everything I was trying to say, Matt, but that's okay. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great album and it, it's it's one I highly recommend. So that's that's uh, my number three. At the end of this, we need to have a list for it to mail, please. I'm not going to remember any of these damn names. That's fine. And I will check. That's going to remember all the names I mentioned. You, not so much. <laughs> because they're on my list. <laughs> yeah. Well, even once on your list, like Light Bagony, you're going to remember. You don't... It's, like, it's like this is what the list is going to become Bob and Matt's list, and then lose. <laughs> <laughs> well, I already know Matt doesn't have my other, my next one on. So. Oh, yeah. Well, you said that about uh, Black Sabbath, so let's see. Well, no, you already mentioned the band. What's your number two, Bobby? My number two is a band that you guys have already talked about that's a different album. I think their best album by far. Um, Metallica. Ride the Lightning. My favorite Metallica album. And Justice for me. I mean, I said Black Album, but and Justice. I, I put Ride the Lightning above them all. And right behind Ride the Lightning, it's I, I pretty much agree with Matt. I think Justice is an amazing album, too. That's uh, my second favorite. Did you and ever, then 
and kill them all, and then everything else. <laughs> load. No, no, sing the anger. That's the best one. Like, like, load, load wasn't too bad. I, load and reload like, is like hard rock. It's not metal. Yes, agree. Well, I think if you took the best songs from Load and the best songs from Reload, you'd have a perfect album. No, I think they're both good albums. They're good hard rock albums. It's just not what Metallica There's was. There's like three great good songs on Reload, though. That's the problem. It's like seven good songs on Load, three good songs on Reload, and zero good songs on St. Anger. What, you don't like the snare drum? <laughs> like, I, like, I hear St. Anger. I remember listening to it the first time. I know we're supposed to be talking about the favorite albums, and now we're talking about the worst album. <laughs> right, that'll be the next episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll save that for the next episode. Stay tuned. <laughs> St. Anger, coming to you. <laughs> but no, Ride the Lightning was just... And you go, and we're talking about like how it impacted your life. When that was a time in my life where I was figuring out who I was. I was in high school. I was starting. I had listened to the Black Album. I loved it. I had listened to Injustice for All. I'm like, you know, I like the fast pace of this. I went out and bought the Ride of the Lightning, and that I was in high school. I just remember the time period. It was when I was starting into music. I was starting to get into all these things that shaped who I was in life. Around 16, 17 years old, just like everyone else. And I associate that album more so with that band than any other album. I still get chills when I hear the live symphonic version of one. That's on Justice for All. <laughs> oh, sorry. We're talking about Ride the Lightning. I'm like, sorry. I know we're still talking about Injustice, but yes, no. Um, you know what? No, Ride the Lightning is my favorite. Creeping Death is the best song. My favorite Metallica oh, of all time. My favorite song, Ride the Lightning. Never hear the them. title track is your favorite song? The title track is amazing on that album. I've heard the other songs entirely too much. And even Creeping Death I love, but it's overplayed as a Metallica fan. I've heard it too many times. I don't hear I, I'm not sick of it. Fire with Fire. By Fire with Fire. Amazing song. And even what James considers the worst Metallica song, Escape, I think is a great song. Escape's not bad either. Avery did a good cover of that. Mm-hmm. Now, now, all these songs that you said for the worst, no, nothing compares to Sun Hank. Trapped on the Age? I agree. The whole entire album. You can and of course, of course, The Call of Cthulhu. Wait, we forgot. One of the best the instrumentals. We forgot from the Bell Tolls. And what's uh, that other one? The other popular one on that. Fade to Black? Fade to Black. Black. Now, if Janine was here, she would definitely pick that Metallic album. Actually, I don't know. She likes, but I know her favorite song is Fade to Black. So that's my the first Metallica song I ever learned. First Metallica song I learned was Unforgiven. That's a great one. Yeah. Alright, Maddie, you're next. Alright, so my list is 11. Our special. So we got three more torturous things. Okay, this one got me back into listening to heavy metal again. Like, I didn't really fall off with it, but I just didn't listen to anything new. It was like everything just stopped after college. Mm-hmm. I'm like, listening to sh- the shit from college only. Mm-hmm. And then I heard Lamb of God Sacrament. And <laughs> I suddenly was like, ah, oh, this is a new Pentella. For really? Because- Sacrament over As the Palaces Burn? or uh, I, I, Sacrament just have I, I love As You Walk in Hell. I love Walk with me and hell. That's a great one. I love the whole entire damn album. I've like listened to that nonstop going to the gym for like four years. (laughs) Yeah, Redneck and Pathetic are two great songs too. Redneck was the song I first heard actually because you know they had the YouTube video. 
That's how I came across. I'm like, red knife. What the hell is this song? So I'm just invading a kid's it. birthday party. <laughs> I was like, I love it. I want to do that right now to a kid's birthday party. Let's go. <laughs> and today, you know who the band that gave them their first national break was? Guar. I didn't really know much of the history, but. Yeah, because they, they both came from the same town, Richmond, Virginia. So oh. when Lamb of God first got signed to Metal Blade, Guar was like, all right, we're taking you out on tour. So. They are. Uh... Yeah, they they made me start looking at metal again. And it's only because of YouTube too. So I guess I will put Lamb of God's second album because that's the whole album I heard on YouTube. And YouTube, <laughs> why not? YouTube is my favorite metal album. <laughs> yeah, I'm sad that they don't have Chris Adler as their drummer anymore, but he's doing his own thing now, and Art Cruz is a new drummer. So I wish him the best. I, I was just happy to be able to see them finally live. I wish I saw them in a prime, but I didn't get the chance to. I saw them with Bob with uh, Slayer. I'm happy to say I saw them twice, and they were amazing both times. So, right. Yeah, that's that one. All right. So uh, my number two is – so we were talking about Black Sabbath before, and I think we could all agree that they're the band that invented heavy metal. In my opinion, this band is the one that perfected it. Uh, they're from the same area as Sabbath. What's so funny? You said perfected metal, Limp Bizkit. <laughs> That's right. Limp Bizkit, $3 bill, y'all. No. Hey, I think you still got that album of mine. Okay, go ahead. I gave it to my brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, to me, Judas Priest did what uh, Sabbath started and basically made, you know, they have the ones that set the template for most of like the European metal bands that were coming out in the eighties and especially in the nineties. And uh, this album actually has uh, some of my favorite songs that I've seen them perform live. It's their third album, Sin After Sin. And uh, produced by Roger Glover, the bassist in Deep Purple and Rainbow. And it's got most of my favorite free songs on there. It's got, Dissident Aggressor, which, in my opinion, is the first thrash metal song. Um, well, it has a uh, Starbreaker, and I don't know. I I think it's the songs on Sin After Sin actually sound better on the live record, Unleash in the East. But as a collective, I think it's you know <laughs> one of my favorite metal albums. So that's that's my choice for number two. All right, Bob, you're next. Unfortunately, I have no surprise. My number one. Slayer, Rain, and Blood. Of course. Yeah, I know that one. You know what? I'm going to include South of Heaven and Seasons of the Abyss because, honestly, those seem like one really long album. If you've listened to all three of those albums, they all came out chronologically, and they all flow one fucking album into the next. They are a trifecta, I'll definitely admit that. I mean, those three albums are like pure metal perfection for me, especially Rain and Blood. You don't get better than that. Best live band I've ever seen. You don't get better, you know. They're the gods of metal, we all worship them. <laughs> I have to it's probably I the can't. most covered song ever on that album. Which one, Rain and Blood? Yeah. Even, I don't know if you guys ever heard it, you ever heard Tori? Uh, Tori Amos's version? Yes. 
I like it. I've never heard of it. It sounds funny to me that you would do it. Oh, you know what? it's different. It's original. Dark. She put her own twist on it. It's... And I love Tori Amos, so good on her for trying something different. I love that version that she did. It's so dark and dreary. I like it when people cover albums to make them a little bit different. Yeah. Find her version, Matt, of uh, Raining Blood. Completely different, dark, dreary. Well, I'm guessing it's slower. Very. It's just her and the piano. Did you ever see that girl speaking of pianos uh, that plays Master of Puppets on the piano? No. It's really awesome. Like, she plays everybody's part on the piano at once. It's like crazy. She looks like she's like spazzing out. Looks well, like I gotta hear that out. Good work after this. <laughs> Actually, one of the best cover versions of a Metallica song I ever heard was by Rodrigo and Gabriel. Their cover of uh, Orion, amazing. I don't like the old instrumental. <laughs> mm. But no, it, believe it or not, though, one of my favorite Slayer albums of all time is God Hates Us All. <gasps> yes. Like, to me, it made up for Diabolus and Musica. And there were a couple of good songs on Diabolus. But I wasn't, <laughs> I mean, Divine Intervention, I loved. It was the first Slayer album I ever bought. I liked Undisputed Attitude, their covers album. Diabolus came out, and I was like, mm. and then God Hates Soul came out, and I'm just like, ah, now they got it. Now they're back. What day did the Slayer album entitled God Hates Us Soul come out? On 9-11-2001. <laughs> I still don't understand how the fuck that happened. It wasn't intentional, but it did. Oddly enough, it also came out the same day as Toxicity by System of a Down. That's right. And Satellite by P.O.D. Okay, that I didn't know and probably would never know. <laughs> uh, to be honest, System of a Down almost made my list today, too. Which one? The first one? Um, no, Toxicity. I absolutely love that. Any day. So, I mean, I would say... And all the bands did, I'm trying to look at my list right now. I did come up with a couple bands like White Zombie I wanted to put on here. Um, I did want to put Pantera on here. Alice in Chains I almost put on here. Um, yeah, and Slipknot. And oh, and one other band. Uh, Sepulchre, KSAD. Almost put that on here too. I almost made my list. Which one, KSAD? Yeah. That's a great one. Mm -hmm. But it just didn't have any impact on my own personal life. That's why I didn't put it on. You know what? Listen to propaganda again and tell me that doesn't have impact on your personal life. <laughs> I mean, it's like it just didn't have impact in the sense of life at the moment. <laughs> I was just saying that I was just making a joke about how I know what you're making a reference to now. <laughs> <laughs> it could be someone put, posting video, Twitter videos saying uh, saying they're good people, saying they're white, screaming white power. <laughs> Do you know what I'm referring to? I know you don't want to make this political. <laughs> um, I know Phil Anselmo was caught on camera for uh, doing that. No, our president tweeted a video the other day saying they were supporting Trump and he was like, oh, these are good people. What he didn't hear where they were also chanting white power and the minute that came out they immediately pulled the uh video <laughs> living in a very dangerous world of social media 
Uh, in the end, at the end of the day, after everyone revolts and we all die because we're living in the middle of New York, the South will win because they actually have guns. <laughs> oh, but they—they're they're all giving each other the the um, major disease right now. They're passing it between each other, so they're all going to die off before they even have a chance to use the guns. New York's spiking up too, so it's coming back. Oh, low still, we're low. We got to come back. Trust we're us. going to. No, I agree with that. We're gonna come back better than ever, baby. Yeah. I, like I look at the the line. There's a chart. I've been looking at all the states. California is just retarded. And they were bad. I don't get how they went from bad to bad. <laughs> oh, uh, by the way, uh, a little disclaimer: if anybody is offended by Matt's use of the word "retarded," he didn't mean to insult people with disabilities. He meant people who grew up normal and became retarded. And if you're offended by the word retarded, please kindly go fuck yourselves. Anyways, Matt, go ahead to your number one. Well, I, I don't really have a number one. Like I said, it's too hot for me. This... Fine, then we'll do it. Bob and I will throw in an honorable mention at the end. So what's your next one? All right. I'm probably going to have the only one here that has a female singer. You can already know, you already know the band after I said that. Ota. I know. <laughs> Ginger? Oh, yeah, Ginger. <laughs> I think I said Kitty for a second. Uh, kill yourself, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, I like Kitty. Anyways, go ahead. King of it's everything. I like King of everything. I just love every song on it. I mean, the bassist is amazing. The singer's hot and amazing. The guitar player's pretty good. The drum was amazing. It's just, it made heavy music again for me. It's like, like I said, it was Lamb of God. It got me into some stuff again. And then Ginger just, I got hooked when I heard it. I'm like, I couldn't stop listening to it. At first I was questioning it. I'm like, am I listening to this because the girl's hot or because I actually like the music? So I like, I made sure to look at the music without being able to see the hot chick. And I have to thank you for turning me on to Ginger and uh, having me tag along with you to see them at the Gramercy. That was a great concert. By the way, I found out something. That was a bad concert. What made you say that? She she said in an interview she has the flu during that whole concert. So she was sick. Everyone in the band had the flu. They actually played while sick like that. You're kidding me. No. If they performed that well when, she, with, with the flu? She had a flu and a sore throat. She had like this. She thinks she might have had stress. She was taking antibiotics and everything. Oh my goodness. So she had low energy. She was upset. With, she said that she was upset and she apologized for the performance. Like it was bad. <laughs> I, I disagree. I thought that the band was amazing that night. And yeah, well, the fact she, that they played with the flu? Holy shit. They literally had a... Yeah, she apologized in an interview. <laughs> All right. So I want to see them again when they're not sick. Yeah, me too now. If they got the flu and they played good, imagine what they could do with that coronavirus. <laughs> Bob, you're coming. Yes, I am. Good man. All right, so my uh, top choice. And this is a band that I actually have to thank Metallica for, for turning me on to. And I remember the first thing I did was I bought the album. King Diamond. Well, he was in the band, yes. <laughs> um, to me... This is my favorite heavy metal album of all time because I didn't realize what an impact that, not so much on my personal life, but in terms of what they accomplished 
with this album. And it's only seven songs long, but talk about putting a soundtrack to a horror movie. To this day, I don't think anyone did it better than this band with this album. And that is Melissa by Merciful Fate. Great, great album. And, you know, I mean, we could joke around, uh, joke around about King Diamond and his, you know, crazy makeup and his cheesy falsettos. But you know what, though? The guy's pushing 60, and he's still performing at that level. So you got to respect him for longevity. And the fact that everything that he's put out has been high quality. He never releases anything that he himself is not proud of. And his whoever he's with, whether he's with his solo band or Merciful Fate, never a bad album. But this was the benchmark for, I thought, what would come out later and influence like most, if not all the extreme metal bands that came out in their wake with, especially with the corpse paint and, you know, with the uh, lyrical themes, they, Merciful Fate did it first and they did it the best. Fuck Venom. And I'm a Venom fan, but fuck Venom, fuck Celtic Frost, Merciful Fate, Melissa. I love the title track. Mm -hmm. if, uh, after Metallica covered all those songs on that album the title track was the best and all the other ones are amazing I love Curse of the Pharaoh mm -hmm. and Into the Coven Into the Coven oh. but no, that was a great album I, I didn't think I would like that and I really did I remember I sold you my copy <laughs> I thought I got that I'm like, trying to think, didn't I buy that from you <laughs> <laughs> I, I was happy to have sold it to you. I was happy to have turned you on to good music. You did. You absolutely did. Thank you. Uh, I can't comment. I never listened to them. That's okay. It's, it's that whole dark black metal, worship Satan, but in a very high-pitched voice. Uh -uh. Oh, cradle of filth. Chuck. <laughs> no, not cradle of filth. Not that. No. Way different. Like, you've heard the Metallica cover, right? I thought Am I Evil. That's about the only song I know. No, that's not. That's Diamond Head. Oh, we don't know. No, so, um, it's, it's track eight on Garage Inc. It's a medley of all Merciful Fate songs. It's called Merciful Fate. Yeah. Uh, yeah don't, I can't even remember Garage Inc., to be honest. Jack has some good covers on it. Even the new covers they made on it weren't bad, Garage Inc. Yeah, I mean, I remember Turn the Page. Uh, I know so what. Like, vaguely off the top of my head, I can remember some. Am I Evil? Stone Cold Crazy. Well, Am I Evil was technically on the original album. They had two, so they had two discs. One was all new covers. The other was all their old covers. Hmm. So. Red Fan is probably my favorite Metallica cover. Red Fan, The Prince, Killing Time. Love those songs. Of the new ones, um, definitely, like I said, you know, their cover of Merciful Fate turned me on to the band. Uh, the age was awesome. Sabracadabra wasn't bad. You no, know, it wasn't. Whiskey in the Jar was kind of corny, but okay. Astronomy? That was amazing. But I will say this, though. The Whiskey in the Jar cover turned me on to Thin Lizzy. And yes. they're one of my favorite bands of all time now. So. Wow, okay. It's funny because when I was in Ireland in 2005, I was looking for something Lizzie stuff to get because you couldn't find anything in the States. 
one time we're in the pub, me and Aaron and our friends that we were with, and we were talking with this one Irish guy, and he was talking about Thin Lizzy. He was just like, oh, fucking great, man, you know. Uh, Phil Lennon, he was a god among men, man. He was a great lyricist, man. So I asked him, oh, what's your opinion on Bono? And he said, oh, fuck, a New Yanks could keep him. <laughs> <laughs> that is a big piece of shit. How many Koricks? <laughs> 14 Koricks, a new record. He is the, the record. <laughs> All right, so Matt has 11. So, Bob, why don't you talk about one of your honorable mentions? All right, let's see. I, I brought up what I had. I had a list of them. Um, yes, yeah, so I brought up Sepultura. Hold on. Let me, now, I got, now you're making me go back to my website. Yeah, I put you on board. Thank God I put these all on a website. <laughs> Um, let's see. Yeah, we talked about Pantera. Oh, let's see. So I talked about, all right, there are two bands I haven't talked about. One was Deftones. I was going to put White Pony on there or the first album, which I don't even remember the name. Uh, Adrenaline. Adrenaline, right. Or a band influenced by Metallica, who I really wanted to put, because again, I, it was like, it was with that, Demanufacture, Life of Agony, where I love the albums, but they just weren't commercially successful. Countdown to Extinction by Megadeth. Great album. I fucking love that album. I mean, Dave Mustaine, say what you will, they're absolutely shit live. I saw the one time I saw them at the Big Four, I hated them. I don't love a lot of their other albums. I love a couple songs here and there, but Countdown to Extinction was unbelievable. Starting to I'm happy to say the times I did see Megadeth live, they were amazing. But even I would admit that I wouldn't see them now because Dave's vocals have Shot. Um, deteriorated. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's not an insult to the guy; it's it's aging. Mm -hmm. I don't know? think it's aging so much. I'm not insulting the guy, by the way. I think a lot of times the metal singers didn't know how to sing properly with the screaming that it ripped their vocal cords up. And that's because there's no real classes to teach you to scream properly so you can do proper fly notes and all that stuff. They now have some lady that teaches everybody. But she's like considered grandma of metal or something. I don't know. Yeah, Melissa Cross is her name. The, yeah, the yeah. Zen of Screaming, yes. Yes, yeah, so but yeah, it's because nobody knows how to sing. They just scream and they rip their vocal cords. So I don't think it's aging I think it's improper technique. But once again, nobody knew what the heck technique was back then. So, what can you do? Yeah. All right. So, what's your eleventh choice, Matt? All right. So this um, it's probably the one album I listened to. This is before college, so this is when I was just a little newbie into the metal world. I went to the Wall. Do you remember those places? <laughs> the little sticker you got on the CD. You return it. Always return it. Yep. So I'm just walking by. I've heard the Black album now. I've heard. Raging Machine, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, this album, I just like the artwork on the cover, so that's why I, I, I just decided to try it and see what it sounded like. It's Rob Zombie, Hell, Hell Billy Deluxe. Okay. And I bought it, and I stopped listening to rap music. It's like, I don't want to listen to my rap music. I, mean, I used to always be downstairs because my parents had fights all the time, so like, I put my headphones on just to ignore the world. 
and be walking around in the basement listening to music. And then it's like, yeah, I don't care about the rap anymore. I just kept playing that over and over. So technically, I listened to that more than the Black Album for whatever reason. That is a great one, but I'm definitely a bigger fan of his stuff with John Five as yeah. a guitar player. I like John Five as a guitar player. I like that definitely. I mean, who doesn't like everyone's fucking on UFO? I mean, that's a great song. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just. Yeah, that was the album that really made me basically cut out rap music if I had to pick one. So, all right, um, yeah, that's it. Cool. All right, so my last choice, actually, uh, Bob, I'm gonna go ahead and pick a Megadeth album, but it's not the one that you picked. Okay. This has my favorite Megadeth songs. Um, well, my favorite Megadeth song, which is "Tornado of Souls." So I'm going to go ahead and pick Rust in Peace. I was going to say Rust in Peace. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, that's a song that I'm still trying to learn how to play properly to this day. And, you know, like I'm chasing <laughs> playing the right notes for it, um, especially Marty Friedman's, Marty Friedman's guitar solo. Marty but, Friedman's I mean, that album has so many great songs on it. You got Holy Wars, Punishment Due. You got Hangar 18, Take No Prisoners, Five Magics, um, Tornado of Souls. I mean... It, the whole album is thrash perfection. So I'd have to give it to Megadeth. Absolutely. And they were banned. Like, you'd be shocked. They were banned and never got notoriety. They definitely maintained their cult status. Sorry, Matt? There's a lot of bands that didn't. We should actually do a whole entire episode towards bands that never got the notoriety that we feel they deserve. So maybe you want to do like a top 10 underrated bands? Yeah, I guess. Anything. So anything you want to do top ten, let me know. Let's do it. That would that'd be a great idea. I want content. I want content. I want ever, as obscure as you guys can think of. How about that? Very cool. I, so yeah, I'm just I'm just announcing it right now for all the people who subscribe to the podcast who listen. You know, I appreciate all you guys listening. And yes, of course I'm still gonna put out my own content, but remember if I ever do a round table on my show, if I'm ever gonna have guests on my show, uh, someone that I could bounce, you know, ideas back and forth about music, it's always gonna be these two, Bob and Matt. These guys have been my buds since college. It's 22 years later, we're still together, and we only hope to produce more content for all you people at home to listen to. And, you know, we appreciate you guys listening in and giving the podcast a chance. You know, we just wanna keep growing bigger, with ourselves, with Rat Salad Review. And, you know, we just appreciate everybody listening in, listening in. Yes, check out Matt's YouTube content over at Kokomoka Media. They don't have a YouTube domain yet because they need subscribers for that. So please go on YouTube, type in Kokomoka Media and subscribe to it. Help Matt build his brand. I know Bob's building our production brand with more content. So he's definitely looking to um, upload more content that we're producing and you know once again guys I'm very grateful to both of you for going on this uh, trip with me in the podcast world and you know couldn't think of two better guys to be doing it with so Bob and Matt thank you guys again for taking part in this podcast with me I'm going to do one more shameless plug go ahead if you, if you don't want to be a fat fuck go to alphaflexfitness.com and check out my blog Okay, and remember, he's not fat shaming because, listen, being overweight is not healthy. If you want to be healthy, 
go to Alphaplex. And once again, if that offends you, please go fuck yourselves. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, have a good night, everyone. Yeah, thanks again for listening to the Music is Live podcast, everyone. Once again, this is your host, Lou Mavs. Thanking again my comrades, my partners in crime, Matt Michelo and Bob Mango. And again, check out the other great shows on Ratsaw Review. There's Beyond Bushido. There's This Broadcast Belongs to Them. There are, there's also Ratsaw Review itself, where sometimes you'll get myself on board with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and Nate Lander. Also, sometimes we'll be joined by Ralph Vieira. And also check out Ralph's own podcast, The Vieira Vault. Go away. That's my sister-in-law dinging me on um, freaking instant messenger. Anyway, um, so yeah, check out all those shows. Also check out J-Cap Morris and Yakuza Kick Radio. Uh, He puts his show through Blog Talk Radio, but you can also download it on iTunes. Check out... Talking Maiden, which is my favorite Iron Maiden podcast with Nesbitt and Josh. Also check out uh, Decibel Geek podcast with Chris and Aaron. So that's all the plugs that I got for you. So check me out on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash uh, Music is Life. Some variation of that, I forget. But uh, anyways, uh, once again, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in, listening in, and uh, Wear a mask, stay safe, take care. Thank you for listening to the Music Aside podcast brought to you by Anchor.fm and Ratsaw Review. Check out the other shows on Ratsaw Review, including Beyond Bushido, Old Man Metals Musings, The Right Opinion, The Vieira Vault, the Timo Toki Podcast, The BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry, Just the Cheese Please, and The Friday Night Party with the great Harry Barnett and Evie. Graphics by Rocky Baia. For commissions, find them on Twitter at R-O-C-K-Y-B-A-I-A. Intro and outro music for the show is Lose Control by The Rebel Medium, written by Jacqueline Guitard, Ernest Leuk, and Lou Mavs. If you'd like to donate to the channel, please donate to our PayPal at musicislivepodcast at gmail.com. If you're in a band and you want us to review your music, then contact us at Maps at musicislivepodcast.com. Special thanks to Wayne Noon and Greg Noggle. With much love and gratitude to Aaron, Anna, and Aloysius. For more information, check out www.musicislivepodcast.com. And don't forget to check out www.ratsireview.com. Remember, all art is valid. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Your mother sucks cocks in hell.